98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Apple Daily launches legal action against the police, demanding the return of documents seized during Monday's raid. The government says labelling Hong Kong products as made in China would be a lie. And Donald Trump claims Hong Kong as a global financial centre is going to go to hell. Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai and several other executives of the Next Media Group are asking the High Court to order police to return any journalist materials or documents that contain legally privileged information that was confiscated during a raid on its Cheongkwano office on Monday. Alter Swong reports. The Apple Daily executives filed a reach to the High Court asking it to issue an order for police to hand back any journalistic materials, information covered under legal professional privilege and anything not covered by the relevant search warrant seized during the Monday raid. Police had left with more than two dozen boxes full of computers and documents following the six-hour operation. Apple Daily's editor-in-chief Ryan Law said in a declaration that the police had taken computers belonging to Jimmy Lai, his secretary Julie Chan and a number of reporters as well as some taken from the security office and the publisher's finance, human resources and editorial departments. He said the computers contain information such as legal correspondence to attorneys and uses private communications with friends and family, none of which are covered by the scope of the warrant which pertain to allegations of collusion with foreign powers and fraud. Mr Law added that while seven solicitors and five barristers representing the media group arrived at the office shortly after they were informed about the raid, it was simply impossible for them to be present at every spot where searches were conducted as more than 200 police officers were present. He said that means they were not able to review or examine exactly what had been seized. The police raid was conducted on Monday and live-streamed online following the arrests of Jimmy Lai and several executives of the media group. Japan's foreign minister says the arrests of pro-democracy activists Agnes Chow and media tycoon Jimmy Lai under the national security law this week have raised questions over freedom of speech and the press in Hong Kong. Toshimitsu Motegi says Japan's grave concerns about the situation in Hong Kong are getting stronger. Commerce Secretary Edward Yao says the United States telling Hong Kong traders to describe their product as being made in China defies common sense and is basically ordering them to lie. He says Washington's move is a ploy to undermine Hong Kong's status as a separate customs territory. Recent attempt to uh, impose a origin marking uh, requirement on Hong Kong portal, basically sort of uh, asking Hong Kong traders to uh, tell a lie that, well, product made in Hong Kong uh, would be misdescribed as made in China. So by common sense and by international practices of origin rules and by sort of WTO sort of uh, uh, requirements, all these are exceptions. All these are unacceptable because a product made in Hong Kong, being a separate custom territory uh, and also being a WTO member, uh, we have to call a spade a spade. Despite the new requirement, Hong Kong isn't being hit with the tariffs the US is applying to imports from the mainland, but Mr Yao says this may well change in future. US President Trump says Hong Kong as a global financial centre is going to go to hell under tightened Chinese rule. Tom McLinden has details. 
Hong Kong can never succeed having China run it, as opposed to the thousands of geniuses that run it. The U.S. president told Fox Business News, "The Hong Kong markets will go to hell. Nobody's going to do business." He added, "Mr. Trump said the end of the U.S.'s special trading relationship with Hong Kong means the SCR will lose its ability to attract business and serve as one of the world's chief financial hubs." He added that there had been a tremendous amount of money in the form of incentives to make Hong Kong free, but once China got aggressive and took over, I took. Everything back. Everything's back now, and it will fail," he said. A police officer, two helpers, and nurses at public hospitals are among 69 new coronavirus patients recorded in Hong Kong. Another person working at the Kwai Chung Container Terminal has tested positive, bringing the number of people infected in the cluster to 18. Dr. Chuang Shukwan from the Center for Health Protection was asked about the risk of catching coronavirus from frozen meat amid reports Shenzhen has found it on chicken wings imported from Brazil. Frozen meat, just like、um, other items, after you touch it,、um, don't touch your hands and、uh, don't touch your eyes and face and mouth, and wash、um, afterwards.、Uh, and because they are for eating, so cook them thoroughly.、Um, I mean, high temperature can kill virus. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past eleven. Pro-democracy activist Nathan Law says he's shocked by RTHK's decision to pull a program off its website because it contains an interview with them. Mr. Law, who's rumoured to be wanted for an unspecified national security offence, says the public broadcaster should remain professional rather than succumbing to the authorities' pressure. Tom McIlinden reports. Nathan Law, a former legislator and member of the now disbanded Demo Sisto, fled to the UK before the national security legislation came into effect. At the end of last month, he took part in a TV programme on the scrapping of September's Legco elections, and the show was then made available for people to watch on demand on the RTHK website. But it's since been taken down. A spokeswoman for RTHK pointed to reports that Mr. Law's wanted by police for an alleged national security offence, and said because the law is very new, management decided to adopt a Cautious approach and remove the program for the time being. Responding on Facebook, the activist points out that the police haven't even confirmed the reports that he's a wanted man, but in any case, he should still be allowed to express his views. He notes that in the interview, he wasn't even talking about the national security law. Mr. Law asks whether, as a public broadcaster, RTHK doesn't have a responsibility to let people state their views, even if the police are looking for them for some reason. Meanwhile, the RTHK staff union suggested the broadcaster had overreacted. And warned the move could deprive people of their rights. It also said it's worried there'll be a growing list of people that RTHK will be too scared to interview. Media tycoon Jimmy Lai has cautioned people against buying his company's stock at the moment, saying a recent price surge is not sustainable. Next Digital shares jumped as much as 1,100 percent after the arrest of the Next Media founder on Monday under the national security law. During a live chat on Twitter. Mr. Lai said he's overwhelmed by people's support for him and his business. Initially, when I was arrested, the stock dropped, and then it went like crazy. But I advise nobody to touch it because whenever you know, don't buy it because it's it's high now. It will drop drop back because this is just a very ephemeral phenomenon that's not going to last. But it just shows that people really support us. It gives us so much support, so much confidence, so much comfort to be part of this community. Mr. Lai says he thinks the world doesn't want to confront Beijing. He says China could play a very positive role in building global prosperity by adopting Western values.
I totally believe that the world should be friendly with China. The world doesn't want to confront China because they are so big. Confrontation every time with China will be such a negative impact to the world. But the world just wants to change China's behavior and attitude in dealing with the international community because they are using the kind of value which is in conflict to the world, you know, the civilized value. So if we don't change them, the world will not have peace. And this is something that's why today people are talking about the new Cold War and this so-called Cold War is just a war of opposing values. It's not going to be a warm war. It's not going to be that there will be a war fighting, but it's very seriously people want China to realize that without assimilating to the international Western value, there won't be peace in the international trade or politics or diplomacy. Health experts have mixed views over the assumption of transit services at the airport for travellers from mainland cities and whether the move poses a coronavirus risk. But they've shot down calls for a health code system to ban those who haven't tested negative from going into various places, including malls and restaurants. Wendy Wong has more. From Saturday, travellers from the mainland will be able to change planes in Hong Kong to fly on elsewhere, although they still can't fly back to the mainland via Chet Lapcock. Dr Ho Pat Leung from the University of Hong Kong has expressed concern as there are some places on the mainland, such as Xinjiang and Niaoning, which are still reporting clusters of infections. He wonders what aviation authorities would do with people who have been in these areas. But respiratory medicine specialist Dr. Long Chi Chu says he doesn't think resuming transit services will increase coronavirus risks in the SAR. He says the COVID-19 situation on the mainland is under control and is considered a low-risk area. Dr. Leung points out that travellers from some high-risk areas have been allowed to transit at Hong Kong airport since June. By the large, the risk of COVID-19 is now low uh, in most parts of Mingnang and uh, we have resumed the transit service from the 1st of June and there are a number of people coming from high-risk and uh, medium-risk areas already. I do not think the increased numbers of passengers from low-risk area will add to uh, the overall risk uh, of our transit passage in Hong Kong. Meanwhile, both experts oppose a proposal put forward by pro-government lawmakers to introduce a so-called health code scheme. The legislators say people who can't prove they have tested negative for coronavirus could be banned from shopping malls, restaurants and other places. Dr. Leung says such a health code would give people false assurances. Testing has a lot of limitations with the long variable incubation period and with the rapid onset of uh, disease and infectivity. Even after an initial negative test, there's every chance that we could develop positive tests on the next day. We need to avoid a false reassurance that may pose the danger not only to the consumer but to our community as a whole. Dr Ho shared similar views, saying the idea isn't feasible anyway, as test results are only valid for seven days. Wendy Wong with that report. A mainland expert in charge of turning a sports centre in Saiyingpun into a COVID-19 testing laboratory says the facility could handle up to half a million samples a day if a procedure called group testing is used. As Vicky Wong reports, Hong Kong is aiming to ramp up its testing capacity from the current 10,000 with the help of mainland authorities. 
In a Xinhua article titled Coronavirus Will Have Nowhere to Hide in Hong Kong, Tao Sujie of the mainland testing firm BGI Genomics says 16 inflatable laboratories have already been set up at Sun Yat-sen Memorial Park Sports Centre. He says all the testing equipment will be installed this week. He says instead of testing individual samples one by one, three or five samples could be mixed together and tests could be run on the cocktail. This method is usually used to eliminate negative results quicker as they form the majority of the samples. Mr Tao says 600 laboratory staff could work on free shifts a day at the new centre. He also recommends taking throat swabs for the tests as the results would be more accurate. Responding to privacy concerns, Mr Tao says there will only be barcodes on the samples, so there's no way laboratory staff can get the personal information of people who are tested. He says the results will be uploaded to a system that belongs to the SAR government. The administration has announced that free COVID-19 tests will be made available to anyone who wants them starting later this month. The High Court has reserved judgment in a legal challenge by five pro-democracy figures against court warrants issued to search their mobile phones. The five face charges in relation to several anti-extradition protests last year. Francis Sit reports. Martin Lee, Albert Ho, Yang Sam, Shin Chong Kai and Ao Nok Hin are among 15 people involved in a case brought to court over illegal assembly charges relating to several anti-government protests last year. In June, the police said they had obtained a warrant to access mobile phones which had been confiscated as part of the investigation. But in a judicial review hearing, lawyers representing the five argued that the warrant, which covers the entire contents of their mobiles, is too wide. They said the police are given unlimited power and could get more information than they need, and is akin to letting officers take all the items in a flat they are searching. The lawyers said the warrant should limit the information officers have access to, such as data recorded within a specific period of time or involving certain keywords. The team also noted that the warrant was issued after the group had appeared in court over the charges, and they should have been given the opportunity to challenge the warrant before it was issued. But lawyers representing the government insisted the warrant did not violate privacy rights. They said the fact that the magistrate had issued the warrant meant that the manner of the police search should be reasonable and only data linked to the case should be accessed. The team added that there are legal safeguards allowing people to launch court challenges afterwards. The lawyers also said it's impossible and impractical for the police and the court to set search parameters ahead of time. They said the way the police carry out the search could not be dictated in advance without affecting the integrity and effectiveness of the investigation. A ruling is expected within this month. That was Francis Sitt reporting there. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Apple Daily launches legal action against the police, demanding the return of documents seized during Monday's raid. The government says labelling Hong Kong products as made in China would be a lie. And Donald Trump claims Hong Kong as a global financial centre is going to go to hell. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's news wrap programme. Children's rights advocates are calling for policy and legislative reforms in Hong Kong to better prevent sexual abuse by mentors at school or other institutions. Since 2011, employers have been able to use the sexual conviction record check scheme when hiring people for positions involving working with children. The scheme is voluntary and only applies to newly hired staff. 
Billy Wong, an executive secretary of the Committee on Children's Rights, told Janice Wong she was worried about recent court cases which appeared to show a trend of children being abused by people they trusted. For the number of cases, uh, we don't see a really big increase on that particular case. But for the, uh, in the recent court cases, we did see there is a, a trend of like children being sexually abused by the people they trust. And in places like institutions, schools, tutorial classes, that we feel very worried because these children are being abused by the people they trust and in places they should feel safe. And, and what about the existing sexual conviction record check scheme? Is that not working as well as it should? Yeah, I don't think it is uh, very effective. It actually have already uh, come into effect in nearly a decade. But uh, I think because it is still a voluntary system, not all the child-related organizations and institutions they actually follow it through. And also it has to loopholes because it only uh, applies to the newly employed staff uh, and it's just all, also a voluntary basis. They're not covered to those people who already hired by the companies or organizations before the effective day. It also do not cover private children or voluntary instructors. So there is a big gap and a loophole in it. So are you suggesting that the scheme should be expanded to cover more people? mandatory in the first place and it should cover all the child uh, related people and apart from um, expanding the scheme what, what other suggestions do you have I think because the uh, we're happy to see that uh, the procedural guidelines uh, on suspect on suspected child abuse of the social welfare department has mentioned it clearly in the guidelines uh, and the guidelines has been uh, recently reviewed and announced. But the fact is many organizations still do not have their own internal child safeguarding policy. I think for many organizations, they think if the people go through the interviews and they found they are suited to take care of children or treat children, they seldom query furthermore about their code of conduct. But the worrying trend is that the overseas research on convicted sexual offenders shows that many of these people, if they actually uh, intentionally to get a career or a, a job position to get rich of these children. And they will try their best to gain access to children through their work. So it is very important for organizations to have develop their internal in-house child safety policy with the code of conduct to ensure that their staff all understand this and when something happens they will have a procedures and go through these steps to make sure that it come to the light. Is, is that something you hope uh, the child protection bill can cover? I think the uh, child protection bill will cover a lot of gaps to handle about the outdated child protection laws. It could be one of the suggestions in the child protection bill. But I think the child protection bill has many areas. And one of the important areas is about the mandatory reporting system of suspected child abuse, which has been discussed in Hong Kong for many years. And it always raised again when something happened to children when in particular there is tragic child death or uh, 
suspected uh, for serious child abuse. Billy Wong from the Committee on Children's Rights talking to Janice Wong. New Zealand is rushing to track the source of a sudden return of the coronavirus as the number of new cases in its biggest city rose to 17 and officials warned more infections were inevitable. National Health Chief Ashley Bloomfield said there were 13 new confirmed infections in Auckland, all linked to four family members found on Tuesday, ending the country's record of 102 days without community transmission. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Australia correspondent Jerry Gannon what else is known about the infected family. They're not quite sure where the family came from, but they have been uh, they have been travelling a fair bit around New Zealand. They've been to Rotorua. Now, Rotorua is a lovely a lovely spot. It's uh, it's about uh, well, it's about uh, I suppose four hours from uh, Auckland. It's a it's a lovely recreational centre. It's a centre of Maori culture and. It's got um, geothermal springs and what have you. So um, the New Zealand, uh, uh, the New Zealand uh, broadcaster has done a, a chronology of where these people were, and they've, they've had quite a good holiday, as it were. They tested before they left uh, on the on this trip, but got the results when they got back. And in the meantime, uh, it is feared that they have uh, caused the spread. And now, as I mentioned, there have been. 17, 17 cases of it, and Jacinta Ardern is very disappointed in this because they've been, you know, they've been held up as well the flag bearer really for battling this particular virus. 100 days, COVID-free, and uh, and now 17 cases, and still battling to actually nail down um, what they call a patient zero, as it were. But yeah, so it's interesting. So this this case is domestic. So it's come from somewhere within New Zealand. That is the belief. Yes, it is somewhere from from uh, from within New Zealand. Now they've traced back a timeline that goes all the way back to Saturday the eighth, uh, and four members of the family uh, went to Rotorua. Uh, a woman in her twenties and a preschooler. They subsequently tested positive. Uh, and she had symptoms when she travelled to Rotorua. There could be some ramifications for that particular uh, traveller. But the whole family then checked in, pardon me, at a lakeside hotel. They visited a Thai restaurant. Uh, on the next day, they, they, had a, they had a good old day of holidaying, uh, sightseeing around the place. And, um, and then when they got back to, uh, to, um, uh, to, to um, Rotorua, when they got back to to. Um, uh, the capital. The, uh, the tests came in and they found that they were they were positive. Now they're trying to uh, pin down anybody who's had contact with them. And today, actually, in Auckland, there's been a rush of people who have been to testing centres and they've actually done pretty well in, in going through a, a large number of of, uh, of uh, people testing to see if any of them uh, are uh, in, infectious. Now, it has to be said that um, Jacinta Ardern has done a sterling job up yeah. to now, uh, and in fact, they had a contingency for just this kind of thing happening, so that contingency has now been swung into action. And I think so far they're doing okay. If they can keep it to 17, they're not, they're not doing too bad. So they've put Auckland back into lockdown? Uh, oh yes, uh, those 17 are definitely back into uh, serious strict lockdown. Um, the rest of uh, the rest of the country has gone to various stages. Stage like stage uh, three and four have been announced. Uh, level three 
in Auckland, level two for the rest of the country. And, uh, and so that they will remain that way until further information is available about who else might be infected and or how far it has spread beyond Rotorua and, uh, and Auckland. India has overtaken Britain to become the country with the fourth highest number of deaths related to COVID-19. More than 46,000 fatalities linked to coronavirus infection have now been recorded in the country. A number of factors are thought to be behind the rapid rise in infections, including the reopening of temples and gyms. The BBC's Rajini Vadyanathan reports. When India's lockdown eased two months ago, Places of worship, like the Tirumala Tirupati complex in South India, reopened. Thousands of worshippers have returned to the towering temple to receive blessings from the Hindu god, Lord Venkateshwara, who's believed to keep away trouble. Before they say their socially distanced prayers, they have to pass a thermal scanner. All staff must wear masks and gloves. But even with safety measures, more than 740 workers have tested positive with coronavirus. Three have died, including a priest. Despite some concern, the temple remains open. Anil Kumar Singhal, the executive officer, defended the decision. We're doing this for the sake of devotees who've been wanting to visit the temple for so long, not for revenue, he said. As economic and social life resumes in the world's second most populous nation, markets are crammed with shoppers. Streets that were deserted months ago are now congested. All as India has yet to reach its peak of coronavirus cases. The number of deaths due to COVID-19 is rising rapidly. India has now overtaken the UK and is fourth in the world for fatalities. In a country of 1.3 billion, it's still a relatively low death rate. But for every family burying a loved one, there's fresh pain. My son Jogendra was a corona warrior and will be remembered as that by us. Rajendra Kumar Chowdhury's son, Jogendra, was one of more than 200 doctors who've died from the virus in India. He was just 27. In a photo we were sent, Jogendra can be seen smiling at the Great Wall of China. Rajendra, a farmer, borrowed money so his son could study medicine abroad. My son never cared for his own life while on COVID duty. He was fearless. He was dedicated to his job. We never imagined he wouldn't survive. Other frontline staff are also facing challenges as they work to contain COVID cases in India. Last week, thousands of female health workers, known as ushers, went on strike, protesting against poor pay and lack of PPE. Kavita Singh Yadav was one of them. I'm scared of coming back home because we are in close contact with corona-positive patients without protection. Ushers have been at the forefront of India's track and trace operation, 
their grassroots work in slums and rural areas considered vital. We put signs outside houses of people who test positive and help in contact tracing by going door to door and asking people about their symptoms. Even with those efforts, India has a low testing rate compared with other countries. Prime Minister Narendra Modi recently called on the worst affected states to ramp up capacity. Experts say that if India wants to flatten its upward curve, testing, as well as stricter social distancing, remains key. Brian Wall is an epidemiologist with John Hopkins University, based in Delhi. So it's, it's very difficult to say what the trajectory of the epidemic will look like here in India. There are some studies that have showed that uh, substantial proportions of the population in some areas may have already been exposed to the virus and therefore could have some level of immunity, meaning that the, the peak could come sooner rather than later. Experts say the sheer size of India means the country will have many smaller peaks and so containing the spread of COVID-19 continues to be challenging. As cases rise in large numbers, it's still unclear when India will be past the worst. That report from the BBC's Rajini Vadyanathan. The Lebanese parliament is holding a session to confirm the state of emergency declared in Beirut by the government after last week's catastrophic explosion. The BBC's Sebastian Usher reports. MPs are gathering in a conference centre on the outskirts of the city to discuss the state of emergency. Roads to the centre have been blocked with metal gates to prevent protesters from reaching it, while security forces have been mobilised in large numbers. Activists called for the meeting to be stopped. Many Lebanese fear the state of emergency gives the army sweeping powers, which could be used to stifle free speech and the anger on the streets. Behind closed doors, the country's leaders are deliberating over who to put forward as the next Prime Minister. The likeliest candidate for now appears to be the last but one Premier, Saad Hariri, a choice that won't calm the people's rage. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Mosquitoes transmit diseases like dengue fever, Japanese encephalitis and Zika virus infection. To prevent mosquito bites, make sure you get protected. Remember to wear loose, light-coloured and long-sleeved tops and trousers. Follow instructions and reapply decontaining insect repellent. Avoid staying in scrubby areas. If you feel unwell after traveling abroad, seek medical advice immediately and give the doctor your travel details. To know more, visit chp.gov.hk. Radio 3 Weather. A look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow. Mainly cloudy with a few showers at first. Minimum temperature will be around 26 degrees. It'll be very hot with sunny periods during the day. Maximum of around 33 degrees Celsius with winds that are light to moderate south to southeasterlies. The outlook, mainly fine and very hot on Saturday with sunny periods and a few showers early midweek next week. Currently, the air quality health index here in Hong Kong is low, with readings of 1 and 2. At the observatory, air temperature 27 degrees Celsius, relative humidity stands at 94%. Simon Wilson back with the final section of The Late Show for Thursday, the 13th of August 2020. Bienvenue, Joe. Sitting in for the world's most durable DJ. 
toi-même, Vanessa Paradis. Je le taxi. Smash way back when for her. That's Jola Taxi here on RTHK Radio 3. Simon Wilson sitting in for Uncle Ray, playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. Get your requests in 233-88266 is the number. This one from a Quentin Tarantino movie, After Dark. Tito and the Tarantula. (laughs) 